read verses 1 through verse 7. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Bible says, follow God's example. Some version says, imitate Christ. Follow God's examples, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Verse 5 says that, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Let's say amen. That we just want to bless your name this morning. Preach your word, O oh God, through this vessel. And Holy Ghost, teach your people, even as they listen. We thank you for this opportunity. We're ready to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. My topic for this morning is Christ, the believer's example of love and sacrifice. Christ, the believer's example of love and sacrifice. And the way I want to approach this topic is to not only mention what God charges us to do in terms of loving one another and doing all the things that Christ commissions us to do, but also to highlight on the things that we are not supposed to do as Christians. Hallelujah. You know, Paul, when he was talking to the elders of the church in Ephesus, um, before he went back to Jerusalem, he said to the leaders that I have not hesitated to talk to you or preach to you or teach you the full counsel of the Lord. And what Paul meant, I believe that he was referring to Ezekiel 33, where the Bible says that if anyone, if any righteous one turns to sin and the people or charge Ezekiel that Ezekiel, if you don't inform that person of where he is leading, he is going to be cast into the darkness. He's going to go to hell. But Ezekiel, I will demand their blood from you. This morning, I want you to listen to me with an open heart. The message might not be so pleasant to the ears, but it will be healing to your soul. 
Hallelujah. Who oh, I said hallelujah. In the Old Testament, there are a few times that God was actually very upset with some of the prophets because they gave the people at that time a false security, a false sense of security that everything was good and everything was moving smoothly so they were in a better place. God was unpleasant about this and God was upset. And in the Old Testament, he chastised some of the prophets. Oh, Babylon is not going to roll into Jerusalem. Everything is going to everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to be, be decent and, and pleasant to the people of Israel. So don't take any action. God was not pleased with those kind of rhetoric and teaching. I believe that most times we our job is to make sure that we don't give you any false sense of security. We are doing well by the grace of God. But the fact that everything is going smoothly, quote-unquote smoothly right now, does not mean that everyone sitting here under the sound of my voice is secure in the Lord. So I believe that as we hear the good part of this message, I want you also to meditate on that part that will be bound to you. Amen. Christ, the believer's example of love and sacrifice. As part of our theme for this year, a people of God unleashed to transform their world, we have been given some critical topics that we are supposed to, be, to treat. And one of those topics that we concentrate in this month is that we are to raise Christ-like believers to transform their spheres. Christ-like believers. People of God who imitate Christ. People of God who are transformed progressively into the image of Christ. Because we believe that if you and I are able to morph into the image of Christ, we will be in a much better position to go out there and talk about this Christ. So this morning, we are going to look at what Paul advised the church in Ephesus. When you study Ephesians very carefully, you notice that the book itself is divided into two main portions. The one portion of the one through three talks about theology, talks about we being chosen by God, talks about the things that what God put into in place to make sure that we were chosen and and then the next section of the book of Ephesians talks about if we have been chosen then what are the lifestyle implications of the people who are chosen by God beloved of God I want to remind you that God chose us it was a deliberate effort by God to choose us in Ephesians 1, verse 4, God, Paul said that God chose us. You did not choose him. He chose you. We are chosen by God. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and in love. It is God who chose you and I. It wasn't our will. It wasn't, see, God, man's will, man's leanings 
is always towards the negative. Bible says that unless God himself draws you and I, there is no way to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. John chapter 6 is that no one come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and raise him on the last day. I want to establish the fact for all of us that it's God who chose us and it was a deliberate effort for him to do that. Praise God. He planned that there was going to come a time, a dispensation at such a time as this that you and I will be drawn into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It wasn't because we did good. It wasn't because we, 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 we had some inner, inner, inner dealings or in, it wasn't because we had something special on the inside of us that drew us automatically to God. It was God who looked beyond the time and said that at such a time as this, a certain people will be chosen unto me. When you read the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Bible says that it wasn't, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all the people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. Hallelujah. That the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So God lets Moses in this scripture know that it wasn't because the people of Israel were cute. It wasn't because they were amazing people. It wasn't because they possessed any special qualities. He chose them out of the love that he had for them to glorify himself. Hallelujah. He chose them because he loved them. He chose them because he predestined that a group of people would be chosen unto himself. In the same way that he selected the people of Israel back then, in the same way he chose you and I to be believers in Christ. Praise God. You see, your choosing and you becoming part of the family of God is so special that not only did God choose us, he didn't think it was enough. But Bible says that he redeemed us also through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you read Ephesians 1.7, Bible says in him, which is in Christ, we have we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. This is the trinity at work. The father chose us and his son shed his blood to redeem us and forgive us of our sins according with the riches of God's grace. Beloved of God, it not just end there. God the Father chose us. See, I want you to know that you and I are so special that it took three. It took the Trinity coming together to make sure that we are grafted into the family of God. God chose us and Jesus Christ redeemed us by dying on the cross for us. 
And then the Holy Spirit also guarantees our inheritance. Too many, too much, or too many things went into this, beloved of God. Hallelujah. Bible says that we are a peculiar people. We are a special people. First Peter 2, 9. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God. A people that God deliberately, it wasn't just a happen chance. You see, I want to nail it right into your heart this morning that God deliberately, it wasn't a happen chance. You didn't come by mistake, but he deliberately chose you and assigned his son to die for you, to redeem you of your sins, forgive you of your sins. And the Holy Spirit also guarantees your inheritance. Not only were we chosen and redeemed, by the sacrificial shedding of the blood, but also the Spirit of God guarantees our inheritance. Same in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Bible says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the Holy Spirit. You were marked in him with a seal, the Holy Spirit. There is a stamp on your forehead. Hallelujah. There is a pronouncement upon your life. There is something that identifies you to God. There's something that draws you to God. You might not see it with your physical eyes, but I believe in the realm of a spirit, when we are walking outside, there is a complete mark. There is a sign on our foreheads that indicate that this person is a child of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. And sometimes we belittle this, we belittle this knowledge. So I believe that when you get out of your house, beloved of God, in the realms of a spirit, in the realms of the dark world, when they see you, they see a spiritual giant. They see people of God. They see people who are sanctified, people who are special, special people, people who were chosen by God, created in his image and walking in the precepts of the Lord. The Bible says that Paul is saying that, look guys, not only did God choose you, but Jesus died for you and the Holy Spirit guarantees your inheritance. The Holy Spirit is the one who stands in your life and helps you to maintain the salvation that you've received. This morning, great Bible study. What helps us in our discipline one of the things and the main things that helps us in our discipline, in our walk with Christ Jesus, is the Spirit of God who stands with us and supports us and helps us. But sometimes we neglect Him. He guarantees our inheritance. He keeps us saved. He gives us the power to stay righteous. No matter how you feel, understand that the Holy Spirit's job is to give you the power, not only to witness about Christ, but also give you the power to overcome sins and infirmities. Hallelujah. So, beloved of God, the first part of Ephesians talks about this theology. You are a special person. You have been chosen. So, think about the word chosen. But chosen or being chosen Paul did not end there. Then he talked about if you're chosen, then it means that also you are changed. Not only are we changed, but also there is a charge on our lives. 
there is a charge on our lives. Praise God. I said there's a what? There's a charge. Paul gives us a charge. The Holy Spirit through Paul gives us a command. Certain things that are not negotiable that we as Christians need to embark on and certain things that we need to run away from as Christians so that you and I don't have any false sense of security that we'll just walk in the house of the Lord and just be part and parcel of the process. Sing with the choir, pray with the people and do everything that is churchy and then eventually when the trumpet sounds, we find ourselves wanting. So because of that, Paul gives us a charge. But not only did he give us a charge, or he did not just give us a charge, he showed us the templates in making sure that we are able to abide by the things he was going to talk about in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians 4, 32, shall we project that? Ephesians 4, 32. 31 and 32. Sorry, let's do 31 and 32. 31, 32. Let's go together. Go. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave us. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. So Paul, before he steps into chapter 5 of Ephesians, shows us the templates. He says, do this even as Christ does it. Hallelujah. He's giving us a pardon. Follow the steps of Christ. Even as Christ forgave you, you also forgive one another. The standard is Christ. Paul is careful to introduce that before he talks about this pattern or this charge or this command in Ephesians chapter 5. The pattern is Christ. The example is Christ. God has set this pattern for us. The pattern of holiness is in Christ. Leviticus 11.25 Bible says that, be ye holy, for I am holy. The example is Christ, is God. Follow me. If you follow me, you will be holy. He sets the pattern, the, the, the template for love. Matthew 5.43 You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your... See, sometimes you, we think that it's not fair. Love your neighbors and pray for those who persecute you. The pattern is this is exactly what Christ did. Someone is asking, Pastor, but how the example... Give me one example of Christ Jesus praying for those who persecute him. Loving his enemies. The Bible says that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were enemies of Christ, enemies of God, Christ died for us. That same pattern, Paul, before he talks about chapter 5, brings these out that we need to follow the example 
of Christ. So God wants us to be like him, beloved of God, not in his omnipotence, not in his omnipresence, but to emulate his character. Now that you've been chosen, now that you've been redeemed, now that the Holy Spirit guarantees your inheritance, now that you are a child of God, you also have a part to play. Hallelujah. Someone will say, Pastor, I reckon that this is impossible. I understand that in of yourself, it is impossible. It is, it is, it is, it is difficult. It is challenging. But in Christ, you are able to do this. You are able to live the life of Christ with the Holy Spirit helping you and I. Zerubbabel looked at the impossible task before him. And he said, not by might, not by power but by the Spirit. Look, it is not easy to live a righteous life. It, it's, it looks like a, a mountain before you and I, but not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. In the morning when we're praying, the, 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 the prophet of God, speaking to the people of God, said that, hey guys, you know what? You need to live a life of chastity. Live right. I didn't send him this message. Live right. Live a holy life. Live a life that will bring you to heaven. The ultimate destination is in heaven. So woe unto anyone who will create the false sense of security and say that everything is going well. So let's just do church and go home. Beloved of God, let us be Christ-like. I said, let us be Christ-like. Let us be Christ-like. Hallelujah. So Paul said, be ye followers. You see, chapter 5 is when he begins. He says, be ye followers. Imitators of God. As dear children. He gives us the charge. The charge, the command is be followers of Christ. Praise the Lord. He gives the charge, the command, but he also gives a reason for that command. Be followers of Christ and the reason is because you are beloved children. Hallelujah. Be followers of Christ. Why? Because you are beloved children chosen by God. Praise the Lord. So it means that the goal of every Christian is a perfect imitation of God, of Jesus Christ. The gospel according to John, John said that one day we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The whole Christian life, beloved of God, is not just rhetoric. It's not just, just unwholesome actions. It's not just following the crowd. The whole goal of the Christian life is to make sure that you follow in the footsteps of Christ. Praise good Lord. There used to be some bangles that said, what would Jesus do? You know, that was a big craze. You know, you buy it and put it on your, on your wrist. What we look at it, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? They got it right. 
So our entire existence, beloved of God, be conscious of this, is that you're so special that Christ wants you to follow him in love, in joy, in peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Follow Christ. And what gets me is the reason. The reason is that we are children, beloved children of God. Praise the Lord. The child always looks up to the parent and follows the parent. Hallelujah. They will follow the parent. Ah, come and let's go. As a matter of fact, it's easier when they are young. Parents, are parents here in the house? Are children here in the house? Are young adults here in the house? It's easier when they are young. They don't have any say in what they wear. They don't have any say where they go. You buckle here in this part of the world. You buckle them up, put them in the seat. They'll be wriggling their legs. Where, where are we going? You drive a few minutes. Are we there yet? It's cute. It's nice. They follow their parents. Paul is saying that be like the kid. Follow Christ. Hallelujah. But it gets to a point in their lives that they begin to say that, oh, Papa and Mama also have weaknesses. Papa and mama also are not perfect. And some of them who think they are wise, they often themselves away from the parents because they see weaknesses in their parents. They see that, oh, this man that I thought he was so strong and powerful, now he's 75 and he's, he's not that strong anymore. I'm not saying that that's what you guys do. But Paul is saying that for us as Christians, there should not be any point in our lives that we offer ourselves away from God. Not only seeing, not seeing God as an extension of our parents, but seeing God as the omnipotent God who chose you, who redeemed you, who has brought his Holy Spirit to give you power. And Paul said, never offer yourself away from God. Be like a child all the time and imitate Christ and follow Christ. Hallelujah. And then he said also, walk in love. The same chapter 5, verse number 2. Walk in love. I don't want to sound like we are blessing a marriage here, but you know, 1 Corinthians 13, Bible says love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful love, does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Paul is saying that that should be our life. Walk in love. He did not say sprint in love. Don't rush it. It is walking. It, is, it takes a long time. You're walking with the people in love all the time. Don't rush through it. No matter what the people do to you, walk in love. Hallelujah. And the reason for that command, he says that the reason is for Christ loved us and sacrificed for us and gave himself up. For us, see that he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that it wouldn't be a matter of time that Peter would deny him. 
He knew that these people that he was walking with, he was with, that he had performed all these miracles. He knew that it was just a matter of time that they would betray him. They would dislodge themselves from him. He knew that they were unfaithful. He knew all, having all that knowledge, to me, the greatest miracle is having all that knowledge about a person, the people, and still remain or decide to go to the cross and die for them. That is love. That is sacrifice. I don't know, but I don't trust myself like that. That if I knew what every single one of you here were thinking about me, if the Lord were to reveal to you what people around you are thinking about you, it would be very difficult to go to the cross for them. But you see, beloved of God, that is what we are supposed to do. Love one another. Praise God. Because that is what Christ did. But what I want to caution all of us, church, is that there are certain things that Paul also made sure he informed the church in Ephesus. He said, follow Christ's example, yes. He said, you have been chosen. You are, belong to the family of God. Walk in love. But also there are certain things that should never be heard of, should never be said amongst you family of God. Paul said that amongst you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Immorality. Sexual immorality is sleeping with a woman who is not your wife. Fornication. In fact, other, other version says fornication. If you are not married, you have no business Sleeping with a woman. That is not love. That is not the love that Paul talks about in chapter 5, verse 2. Walking in love. Sexual immorality. Fornication should not be heard. Not a hint. Not a hint. Bible says that or any kind of impurity or any kind of impurity, we are Church of Pentecost, we always hone in on the fornication. The fornication is not good. We condemn it. We advise very strongly to move away from it because it has dangerous repercussions. Repercussions that will follow you the day you marry to the day you die out of your marriage. When you fornicate, when you go around and do all sorts of things, and the day you settle, every single one of those acts will come back in the marriage. And it will imprison you in your marriage. Paul said, let me not hear a hint. And he said that, or any kind of impurity, any kind of impurity, anything that is not pure. Bible says that if it is pure, think about those things. Put a filter in your mind and release and take out anything that is impure, beloved of God. He says, or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Hallelujah. Those are what? Improper 
for God's holy people. Verse 4 says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. These things, they will knock out your discipline in your work with Christ. Knock it out completely. This morning we heard that we need to have a progressive way of beating our bodies down. I like the, the analogy that Priscilla gave. He said that the way she looks at the scripture, disciplining yourself also means that you almost become like second nature when it comes with your work with Christ. It becomes second nature. The athlete trains and to the extent that they have all the soccer, they have all the formations, not the Ghana Black Stars. They, they, we put them on the side for now. Don't, I don't want to even go there. Those people hurt me so bad. How can you score two goals and five minutes, three, five minutes, and then somebody came to me, we watched the match together, and when he was going out, you know, we're all happy, you know, driving home, and I called him, I called him, said, you know what, just two, three minutes later, you know, we will not go there, but anyway. Train hard. You have all the formations right. You have, so that when you get on the field, when you start life's journey, because you've trained hard, because you've conformed with Christ, Everything seems to be like second nature. Verse number five, it says that, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of Christ and of God. See, sometimes we gloss over these things, but beloved God, they are very serious. This is the matter of eternity. It has, these things have eternal consequences. Hallelujah. Oh, here is P.S. We don't say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Because there's a difference between hallelujah hallelujah. And hallelujah, hallelujah. For of this you can be sure. Paul is saying, for these things that I'm warning you and I'm asking you to refrain from, I have no doubt that if you embark on these things and don't change, he says that such a person is an idolater and does not have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. PIWC. So we determine by the mercies of God with the strength of the Holy Spirit, that we would not be partners with these idolaters, that we will live pure lives. No matter how difficult it is, we'll live pure lives. Hallelujah. And when you read on, he talks about, for we were once darkness, but Christ's love has brought us back on track. Beloved of God, there is hope. You see, God does not 
sit up there upstairs in heaven and just unleash the wrath upon his people. No. There is hope. The blood of Jesus Christ is there and it's permanent in redeeming us from our sins. The Bible says that even when we state our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody asked the pastor, can you go to heaven and ask God if I had committed any sins? So two weeks later, the pastor comes back and said, I did. I did. But when I went, God said that he doesn't remember, so I don't have any, any answer for you. The blood of Jesus wipes that sin. And Bible says that it is just, uh, 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 what is the English word for it? Uh, God does not forget literally, but it is, it is uh, um, uh, God is basically saying that when you confess your sins, I choose to not hold it against you. He chooses not to hold it against us. And it is so deep that the writers of the scripture could not understand. They said that God will forget it. But he chooses to not hold it against us. So let us love like Jesus loved. Praise the Lord. Let us do the things that Jesus did. I, I read a book by John Scott. He's the author of The Cross of the Christ. And he says something that I want to display so we can, we can all read it together. And that will be the end of the message. Can you project that quote, please, from John Scott? Amen. Let's do it together. John Stott, author of The Cross of Christ, said about Jesus, what dominated his mind was not the living, but the giving of his life. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus knew what he was doing as he walked the road to the cross. He said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected and be killed. That knowledge didn't turn him away. He walked on, bound by his love for God and for us. He let the mission of God determine the path he walked. He wasn't surprised when it all started going down. He knew Judas would betray him. He knew his trial would, be, would go bad. He knew the cross was coming. And he accepted it in love for us. Gospel love is that bold. Hallelujah. That is what we are commissioned to do. That is what we are commissioned to do. If someone was able to do that for us, then we have no business not loving one another. And also we have no business disappointing him with impure life. May the Lord keep you. May the Spirit of God strengthen you. May the Lord direct your paths and ensure that he sets your paths into righteousness. Beloved of God, it is when the trumpet sounds, that is when we will see who makes it out there. But I know that because of the power of the Holy Spirit, when that clarion call is done,
you and I will be caught up with him in glory. Walk in love because Jesus loved us and sacrificed for us and live a pure life because our job is to imitate him. Imitate him. Shall we be on our feet?